her, cheer her. A blue ribbon was hanging out of the top bureau drawer. The very thing, cried Helen. I'll straighten out her drawer. It's always in a muss. And she fell to work with a will, rolling and folding and arranging things in neat little piles. The baby stood watching her. There, what do you suppose she'll think of that, Buddy? she asked, as she gave the last pile a happy pat. Then a new idea popped into her head. She flew downstairs, took a sheet of writing paper out of the desk, and printed something on it in big black letters. Then, running back to her room, she laid the paper on the rows of nice neat piles and carefully closed the drawer. I hope she won't mind, she said with a twinkling little smile, as she pulled Buddy up on her lap for a story. The story was only half finished when Polly burst in. What do you think, Helen? she cried, tossing her hat and coat in an untidy heap on the bed. I'm invited to a party. What shall I wear? She ran to the bureau and pulled open the top drawer with a jerk. Within lay Helen's paper. Polly picked it up. April Fool, she read aloud. She looked into the drawer, then at Helen, her face brightening into a sudden smile with her surprise. Helen, you're a dear, she cried, and I'm just a silly, cross old bear. This is just the loveliest April Fool that ever was. I didn't suppose folks could play nice April Fool jokes. Just then the sun came out from behind a cloud and peeped through the window. Helen pointed to it. Another nice April Fool for you, Polly. But Polly wasn't listening. She stood quietly thinking for a moment, then she picked up her hat, shook out her coat, and started toward the closet. April Fool, she said with a laugh as she hung them inside. That's another joke on you, Miss Polly Untidy Crosspatch. A few more April Fools might turn you into neat Miss Polly Polite. It's about time you turned over a new leaf. I think I hear it rustling, said Helen, listening. Here, 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 chirped Mr. Redbreast joyously from the tree. The Three Bees The Three Bees Club had only one rule. Each member was to try every day to be all of the three bees. Usually it was quite easy to be one bee. Often it was not so very difficult to be two bees, but to be three bees was many times very, very hard indeed. The Saturday Ned Brown's father gave him the new catching glove was one of those times. Ned wanted to go out and try the glove. Just as he was starting, however, Mrs. Brown called to him. Ned, she said, the wood box is empty. Ned knew what that meant, but he remembered B number two, in time to keep from frowning. All right, he called back cheerily and went out whistling to the barn. Thwack went the axe into the wood. Ned was strong, and every blow told. His mother, hearing the chopping, smiled to herself. She knew about the bees. Whew! said Ned presently, stopping for breath. This is being bee number one, all right. Two bees in one morning aren't so bad. Hi, Ned! came over the fence as he started for the house with an armful of wood. Why don't you come over? You said you had a new glove. Have, answered Ned as two other members of the three bees climbed into sight. Wait a minute. He dumped his wood into the box in the kitchen, and then ran proudly back with the precious glove. Here it is. The boys felt of it, pinched it, tried it on. It's a dandy. Come on and catch, they urged. Can't just yet. You can use it till I come. And Ned returned to his work while the boys ran off with the glove. The three bees met at Ned's house that afternoon. 
The club always reported once a week on their success as bees. I don't have any chance to be bee number three, complained Ned when his turn came to talk. Mrs. Brown was just coming in with a pitcher of lemonade. I know better, Ned, she said. How about chopping wood when you wanted to play ball? That made all three bees this morning busy, bright, and brave. And I know another bee number three, too, cried Ned Baker. How about loaning us your catching glove when you hadn't used it yourself? Ned smiled shyly, and bee number two was written all over his face as he slowly sipped his lemonade. Teddy's Helpers Christmas was near, and there were only a few pennies in Teddy's apple bank. I'm afraid I won't have money enough to buy them, Mummy, said Teddy wistfully. Won't you? His eyes looked the question his lips wanted to ask. No, Teddy, said his mother, for then it would be my present instead of yours. But Arthur's hands get so cold carrying the clothes. Teddy's eyes fell to his own hands, which were always snug and warm in their red mittens. The washerwoman's little boy had no mittens. Earn some money, Teddy, suggested his mother. Teddy's face fell. How can I? he said. Keep your eyes open and do the thing they tell you to do. All right, answered Teddy. I'll try. At that moment, Father's son, who had been peeping through the window, slipped behind a cloud. Children, he said to the little clouds, there's a boy down below who wants to earn money to buy mittens for a boy who hasn't any. I want you to help him. We will, Father's son, cried the little clouds. Then the sky began to grow so dark that the earth people looked up and said, I do believe it's going to snow. And it did. Soon the air was filled with great fluffy whirling flakes, tumbling eagerly down to help Teddy. Not so close, cried the first flake, as the others came down on top of him. We'll make it too hard for Teddy if we pack tight together. That's so, cried the others, and so they settled very, very gently. All night the snowflakes fell. In the morning Father Son poked his head out from behind a cloud. "'My, my, how fine the earth looks!' he exclaimed. "'I think that's about enough, children.' And Father Son smiled so broadly that the earth people said, "'How dazzling the sun is!' and squinted and rubbed their eyes. When the last flake had settled in its place, Teddy buttoned on his leggings to go out. "'Are you keeping your eyes open this morning, Teddy?' asked his mother. Teddy laughed. Of course, he said, I couldn't see if— Then he stopped abruptly. It is a way, isn't it, Mummy? he cried. Yes, she said, I think I hear twenty-five cents dropping into the apple. I will give you that much, if you will shovel a path to the gate. Good, he cried, Teddy. Then he hunted up the snow shovel and fell to work. Teddy, Teddy! Teddy looked up. The old lady across the way was standing in her door. "'I'll give you a quarter if you'll clean my walk.' "'All right,' Teddy shouted back. And then how the snow did fly as he dug and scraped and shoveled. "'My, my,' said Father Son, "'what an industrious boy!' And he smiled till Teddy grew quite warm, and the busy hands in the red mittens were never once cold. When the day was over, four bright quarters lay snugly in the apple bank.' The day before Christmas Teddy emptied the bank and went shopping, and that night, when the washerwoman's boy came for the clothes, on top of the basket lay, not mittens, but a pair of thick gloves, lined with wool. 
Father Sun was so happy about it that he smiled all Christmas Day, and so did Arthur, and so, more brightly than either, did Teddy. THE RED LETTER DAY "'What's a red letter day, Nora?' asked Betty, coming into the kitchen where Nora was doing the Saturday baking. "'It's a day when something specially nice happens,' answered Nora. "'Why?' "'Mama just said it would be a red-letter day if she got all her mending done by night. "'I wish,' added Betty wistfully, "'that I could make it a red-letter day for her.' "'You can,' cried Nora. "'I'll show you how to make a cake, and then she won't have to make it. "'She can have the time to mend.' "'Goody-goody!' cried Betty, when her mamma said she might try. "'I didn't tell her about the red-letter part,' she explained, "'as she and Nora measured and beat and stirred.' That will make it another kind of red-letter day. S for surprise. The cake came out of the oven, light and flaky and beautiful. Wouldn't it be nice, sighed Betty, if it could only have a red S right in the middle? It can, said Nora. Make it of those tiny red candies of yours. You'll have to work fast before the icing dries. When the S was finished, it was pretty crooked, even for an S but there was no doubt at all about what it was. When dinner was on the table, Betty brought in the cake and set it before her mother. "'Well, well, well,' cried Mrs. Arnold. "'What a fine little cook I have! But what is the S for, Betty?' "'It stands for Saturday, Mama," said Betty. And then she told all about the red-letter plan. "'It was a dear plan,' said her mother, "'and I did finish the mending.' and now I'll tell my little girl something else. S stands for Saturday, but it stands for another word, too. It stands for my sunshine, she finished, giving Betty a loving kiss. End of The Goody Side of The Goody Naughty Book Read by Kara Schallenberg on October 26, 2007 in Oceanside, California.